Welcome to Firefly Podcast Review with Donovan and Ken. Our Goram mission is to keep flying and bring you reviews of the finest Firefly and Serenity comics in the verse. We will review every comic just because we are so very pretty. Join Captain Mal and the crew of Serenity on the raggedy edge as their adventures continue in printed form from the fine publishers Boom and Dark Horse. All you brown coats out there, keep shining. We aim to misbehave here on Firefly Comic Book Review with Donovan and Kit. This is episode one of our new series and is recorded here on April 1st, 2021. Our first episode of our transition. Now that we've actually reviewed every Star Trek comic book ever published, at least as of the current date, it's time to pivot. That's right. And when you said, hey, how about we do Firefly? I thought, I do remember watching that 20 years ago. Sure. (laughs) (laughs) So I have spent the last few weeks completely engrossing myself in the Firefly Serenity verse. So... I think I'm up to snuff. What's that? Yes, the verse. Exactly. That is an appropriate word to use. I remember when Firefly first came out, I uh, thoroughly enjoyed it. Fan back then. And I loved the Serenity movie, although I was shocked that they had a Serenity movie since Fox canceled Serenity. Really, they almost didn't get to broadcast all the episodes of the first season. Right. One season is all they gave them. They weren't even going to show the last three or four episodes. They were just going to write it off and bye-bye. So much for the successful Buffy the Vampire Slayer creator, Joss Whedon, and move on. But uh, but they made the movie. I love the movie. I love the movie. I love the TV show. And then I put it promptly out of my mind for the most part. Well, I was a big fan of The Tick, the uh, the Fox yeah. TV show. So I do remember commercials for Firefly, but I never watched it. And then when I was in Japan, a friend of mine, he was like, hey, you need to watch these DVDs. And since there's not a lot of TV options for a non-native speaking person, I did watch all the DVDs. And I was like, oh, my goodness, that is really good. Yeah. And then uh, shortly after returning home, the movie came out. So I was just like, oh, this is perfect timing. And then uh, there's no more movies or anything. And then, unlike a lot of uh, science fiction properties, there wasn't a ton of expanded universe. Uh, Dark Horse had a couple of miniseries, uh, and there was a couple of novels that they kept working on, but they never were released. So, um, so for the longest time, there was really nothing except for the DVDs and a few comic books. But now, mm-hmm. for whatever reason... Boom now has the comic books, so we're now getting a bunch of Boom series, and uh, mm-hmm. Titan is releasing a bunch of novels, which yep. are nice, and uh, they keep talking about maybe a Disney Plus uh, reboot series, so uh, things are looking up for fans of the show. Yeah, and talk about a great franchise that was pulled before its time, although quite frankly, the movie didn't make that much either. I mean, it broke even sure. uh, for Universal. But talk about, I mean, they're rebooting things that just shouldn't be rebooted. I mean, I I haven't watched the MacGyver TV series, 
But really, did anybody need to reboot MacGyver? Or Texas Texas Ranger, Walker Texas Ranger, Kung Fu is now getting a reboot. Uh, yeah, oh, really? Yeah, I saw, the, I saw the I commercial over the weekend, yeah. I like Kung Fu, but it was, but Kung Fu was the same thing every episode. Yeah, well, I mean, no, I now it's all modern. They're in the, she's in the, it's a woman and she's in the city and oh. uh, it's, it, it's a whole new take. Uh, okay, okay. The okay. name is the only thing but, they brought over. There you go. Okay, so lots of examples. Um, I, I guess the Hawaii Five O thing reboot was successful, but, and I did love that show. McGarrett. I, I, I did like that when I was a kid. But w- anyway, whatever. Firefly, what a great thing to reboot if they right. do do that. Right. Well, only, they, they only, did, how are they going to do that with different actors? Ah, I'm sorry. I don't know. They did, it with te- they did it with Battlestar Galactica. So, I mean, it, it has been that 20 years. We're talking about 20 years later. Uh, so. Yeah, but the original Battlestar Galactica wasn't that good. <laughs> But it wasn't. It also lasted only one season. And, yeah. Uh, I mean, not including the 1981. Oh, the, the the attempt to remake it? Right. The reboot it, yeah. It's yeah. its first soft reboot. Right. Yeah. But the, anyways. Uh, yeah. Anyway, back back to... But back when to you America. suggested this, I was like, okay. Um, we even talked about maybe trying to find another host because you were a big fan at the time. I wasn't. I've been brought in kind of late, so I was mm-hmm. talking about maybe bringing in somebody else that mm-hmm. has been a lifelong fan. But that didn't and you knew out. of some people. I did, but uh, unfortunately, scheduling and things didn't work out. So maybe we'll bring them in uh, as as guest hosts later. Okay, that sounds good. But uh, but yeah, so uh, hopefully my newly acquired knowledge of the franchise will uh, will serve us well here great but uh but yeah i I really like the show i really like the uh the idea of the show Uh, i do have questions i think there's some plot holes as far as how the universe there works but um but yeah overall solid show and i'm enjoying all the expanded universe stuff i've read quite a few of the comic books and um played the board game or the card game so uh, I'm, i'm good to go cool uh and i've listened to the first novel uh, in audiobook form. So that was good. I enjoyed that. And I've got two more of the novels uh, in my queue. Now, so are, the novels, are the novels based kind of like this, this, these issues in yes. between the series and the movie? Um, mm, I don't know that the novel... Well, the movie was... Really? Do you really think this is between the novel... I mean, between the TV series and the movie, because the movie was yeah, kind of 100%. a rehash of the TV series. Uh, no, this definitely takes place right after the last episode of the series. Uh, and uh, by the way, for you listening, we're doing Boom issues number one and two that came out in 2018. Um, they're called Unification War was the storyline that yeah. they're doing. Uh, so we're doing the first two issues there. They do take place right after the f- last episode of the series because Anara is thinking about leaving the ship and obviously in Serenity she's already been off the ship for a while so it's definitely right after that bounty hunter trying to get River episode and, <laughs> and before she actually leaves the ship. You know you, you, you bring up an interesting point there Donovan uh, because there's lots of orders of these TV uh, episodes. 
Well, since that episode, she's talking about leaving the ship, and then in Serenity, yes. she was gone. I'm assuming that really was the last episode of the show, and this takes place shortly after that, because she's getting ready to leave, but she hasn't actually left yet. Yeah, well, okay. So she really began talking about leaving uh, in the aftermath of um, of uh, Heart of Gold. And it was prompted by events that happened in Heart of Gold, but... Whatever. So um, interesting. I did not. Uh, I did not connect that together at all. So in the books, is she in it? I, I mean, is it based before she leaves or after she leaves? It it doesn't acknowledge that at all. Okay, so then it might be based like just during the series proper. Yeah, because my... some unknown episode, like the old <clears throat> Star Trek books used to be. I, I did not notice anything that would let me. Uh, identify it specifically chronologically speaking it was kind of very episodic the first novel um i thought good but um anyway so all kinds of things now it seems to be getting a lot of momentum and of course the original show came out 2002 2002 was it um i i I know i got this all in my notes (laughs) (laughs) but uh yeah 2002 so, most of the episodes broadcast in 2002, and then the last few in 2003. Okay. I'm liking the comics so far, but we only are covering two of them, as you mentioned, since we are going to talk about the TV series and movie quite a chunk, just to kind of get things going. Because, of course, that is the whole backdrop that the comics use as, as a foundation. Right. All right, so should we start talking about the comics themselves, or...? Let's let's do the comics. Good. So I'll be uh, synopsizing the uh, first one. Again, it's uh, part of the Unification War compendium. Uh, I actually am using Volume 1, which had issues 1 through uh, 4, of which we're doing the first two. And the compendium had the date of April 2019, but... I believe the original individual issues were published in 2018. I don't have the uh, exact Issue date. 1 was November of 2018, and Issue 2 was December of 2018. Thank you, Donovan. Very good. Creative team, creator Joss Whedon, writer Greg Pack, illustrator Dan McDade, colors Marcello Costa, letterer Jim Campbell, cover. Uh, actually, there are a lot of covers, but one of the covers is done by uh, Lee Garbett. Designers Scott Newman and Marie Krupina. Editor Janine Schaefer. Assistant editor Gavin Gronenthal. If you take a look at the individual issues and the multiple printings, there are a ton of covers that are involved in these issues. So, and the compendium, volume one, actually does a really good job of uh, showing them to you. They're all at the end of the book. So I'm just going to go over the main cover of the volume one, the compendium, and then I'm going to grab a few individual ones that really stick out to me because we would be here forever if I went over all of them because there are a ton of them. Okay, so the main one on the compendium, of course, features Captain Mal Reynolds and Zoe. They got the guns out and they're looking like they're ready to meet some kind of threat. To the left of Mal, we have Inara and Kaylee. 
looking lovely. And then on the right-hand side, next to Zoe, we've got Wash and Jane. And, of course, Jane has his famous hat, which I have a comment about that hat later on. Issue number four, the cover, uh, again, by Lee Garbett, is a really cool one. It's uh, showing mostly two, maybe three different colors inside of it, but it's really dominated by red and black. And it's basically showing a desert western uh, scene, at least reminiscent of a western scene, very arid landscape. And then there's a setting sun or maybe it's a rising moon. I'm not quite sure in the sky. And the sky is very red. And, of course, the sky has uh, serenity zooming across it. And there's a bunch of covered wagons on the ground. And there's what appears to be a a mostly black uh, ground. And it's kind of showing you underground or maybe it's the edge of a of a crevice or something in the, in the land. But then there's a whole indentation showing red coming down kind of like blood. So uh, it's a very cool looking cover, something very suitable for framing. There's a nice one with Kaylee who's in a very colorful shirt and she's working on the Serenity's engines and other kinds of uh, components. And she's sitting down there uh, with her goggles up and she is smiling at us, the viewers. So that's a really nice uh, picture. So real quick, you called that FTL, but they, they don't have FTL in Firefly, do they? Uh, they don't specify. Well, it's all I one solar. FTL it's all because... one solar system. So, and it seems to take them weeks what? to get from planet to planet. Let's talk about that later. But I disagree with you. Okay. Uh, one solar system. I mean. They go to how many different planets? They go they, to different they, planets they and moons. So and moons. It's all, it's because us humans Man, terraformed the whole new solar system. And we terraformed every single planet on it. Right. It's one of the things that's pretty unique with Firefly that I, that I actually kind of liked. But yeah, let's talk about it later. Uh, uh, <laughs> uh, Terraforming can't get around the idea that there is a limited range uh, away from a star that you could have. Uh, it's a, it's the habitable zone. Oh, I within agree. Any star system. So but they figured it. That's out. a really interesting point. Let's talk about that later. <laughs> Maybe when I'm done with my synopsis. Okay, that's it with the covers. But suffice to say, there's just a ton of covers here that we could be going over and spending the rest of the uh, episode on. In the inky black of space, a mighty goose-like star cruiser navigates between star systems. And I am saying star systems. Doing jobs, in this case, on fire. Captain Malcolm Reynolds nonchalantly asks his ace pilot, Hoban Washburn, whether the starboard engine is on fire. The pilot, casually known as Wash, replies, technically yes, likely due to them replacing a critical thrust interface component with brown market parts rather than a factory part that, uh, you know, works without flames. Captain Mal puts the downgraded parts on Jane, who lost their repair money in a card game. From the engine room, Kaylee is fighting flames coming in from the damaged starboard engine. She strongly recommends jettisoning the engine's reaction thruster before the whole ship goes up in flames. 
Wash warns that losing one of the two engines will significantly impair his ability to maneuver and land the ship. So they better be sure they want to take Kaylee's proposal. Mal gives the order. Wash moves a few dinosaurs and flips a switch that ejects the reaction thruster. Unfortunately, the ejection does not actually happen, and the manual override is behind a mountain of flames in the engine room. Out of the blue, River Tam steps up to the plate and fires on one of Jane's larger pistols at just the right spot. The ejection mechanism activates, and the reaction thruster is ejected away from the ship. Ship out of danger? Yes, it is. Zoe and her husband, Wash, find Inara and Shepard Book were playing cards through the entire emergency. Mal addresses the crew and tells them they will make for a small nearby moon to look for work and make repairs. Mal awkwardly speaks to Inara, the professional companion, about the delay in her departure from the ship when they are attacked. An antiquated but still deadly Alliance heavy cruiser, for some reason, is trying to blow them up. The initial love taps are followed up by five missiles, all heading for Serenity. The crew quickly ejects two fuel pods out the back that they detonate just in front of the missiles. The flashbang is enough for Serenity to slip away and land on a nearby moon named Bethlehem. Kaylee and Wash stay on the ship to continue repairs while Mal, Zoe, and Jane head out to a nearby town to look for work that will pay for parts and 10 fuel cells. The three enter what looks like a saloon, but turns out to be more of a soda pop parlor, given the sad truth that Bethlehem is dry. Jane is not amused. One of the patrons purposely insults Jane's mother, which causes Jane to punch him across the room. Grinning and happy, the bleeding patron and his companion offer Mal a job. Later, Simon River and Shepherd Book join Mal, Zoe, and Jane, and a wagon train of pilgrims. Mal introduces them as the Pilgrims of Moriah. The pilgrims are paying Mal and the crew to protect them during their journey to a holy site. Shepherd Book tries to learn something about the pilgrims from Brother Philip, but he is cleverly rebuffed by the good brother, who starts questioning the shepherd's holiness, running with such a group of ruffians as this. Mal radios Wash back at the ship and finds out the big black ship that was shooting at them has been inquiring about Serenity in a town on the other side of the moon. That night, the Chang Benet's gang rides up into camp and calls out the pilgrims to give up their chalices and don't even think about professing their faith around these parts. After some pointless loud interactions between Chang and Brother Philip, Mal and the gang make themselves known and start to beat up the bandit gang. Chang recognizes Mal's brown coat and sees his team's fighting skills and they call a truce. Chang and his gang leave. Brother Philip is unexpectedly pissed off that Mal did not kill Chang and his gang. So much for loving thy neighbor and 100% customer satisfaction. They see the Federal warship that attacked Serenity earlier pass over them as it starts dropping paper leaflets. 
The leaflets identify the feds as the unificators who are deputies hunting two war criminals last seen over the moon of Bethlehem. They say they will pay a 1,000 credit reward for info leading to the capture of Malcolm Reynolds and Zoe Aline. Jane looks on the bright side and says 1,000 credits would pay for those fuel cells to be continued. So, so there you go. First I, episode. I liked all the uh, the names. Oh, yeah. I, I did not know uh, what what Zoe's last name was before, other than Wash Burn or whatever. I completely agree. And then they have a different name for um, Malcolm, too, which I had never heard. They call him um, AKA mm-hmm. Captain Harpatkin. Oh, I thought you were going to say Captain Tight Pants. <laughs> no, I knew that name. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, I mean, where where'd the Harpat can come from? Um, oh, you know, I was wondering about that too. <clears throat> so I actually looked it up. Oh, good. Yes. So um, because it was like, what, what? I've never heard that name before. What? What are you talking about? So it turns out that Mal actually identified himself as that name. And I think he actually had fake papers, too, with that name on it. When in one of the episodes, Shepard Book was shot. Oh, right, right. And they had to get him medical aid. So they went to an Alliance ship to get him aid. And he gave that as Mal gave that as his name. Gotcha. To the Alliance people. So it was a an alias. Interesting. Okay. well, that it was. And I it just totally went over my head. But, yeah. So I thought well, maybe that was his name during the war or something. So, But I did not look it up. So I'm glad you did. Yeah. So who do you think these unificators are? Because they're not – they don't seem <clears throat> to be Alliance. Well, they're flying around an Alliance ship, and I thought they identified themselves as Alliance, but they're lying? Well, I don't know because they – call themselves the unificators and i've never heard of that with the alliance right the alliance is the is the alliance or the feds or the the blue glove guys right but we've never we've never heard of them being called uh unificators which i guess might have been their name during the war right because that that's what they were trying to do unify the core war worlds with the uh, realm worlds yeah i think it was the unification war right is that what they called it? Yep. I think so, yeah. Yeah, good point. I mean, they don't seem... They seem to be wearing similar body armor and stuff, but they, that doesn't seem to be a uniform, per se. Right. Or, or an alliance uniform that we've seen before. Right. So I was just curious if uh, if you also had questions about who they were. I mean, just because I've um, never heard of that yeah. term, right? And, and yep. I don't remember them saying, calling them that back during the war. But maybe they were called the Unificators before they were called the Alliance. But I always just thought they were. No, no, it was always the Alliance. Because you know what the Alliance is. The Core Worlds, yes. Well, well, no, okay. Okay, so the Alliance is an alliance between China and the U.S. So those are the only remaining superpowers Uh, Um, On the Earth, that was, yes. Exactly right. But now we're in this new solar system. So the alliances alliances between basically the U.S. and China. 
and that's why uh, that's why supposedly they lapse into Chinese, and people can speak Chinese as well as easily as English. By the way, um, I, I I agree with you on the uh, Chinese part, but I think okay. that the alliance is the core worlds of the new solar system. Well, no, it is. It is. It's just yes, yes. Yes, human- the people that are, are controlling humanity is the Alliance. But I'm just saying the root of the name right. was from the alliance between you know, the superpowers of, of China and, and the U.S. Right. I know that when they, left the, when they left the, the solar system, our solar system, yeah. Yeah. That, that was the two superpowers, yeah. Right, right. But what's weird is that it's only supposed to be maybe 300 400 years from now mm-hmm. so they haven't been away from earth you know all that long you know right. only you know maybe a handful of generations but in the show they always act like almost like Battlestar Galactica where there was this fictional you know place called earth or this this legendary place that was called earth that we all came from so uh, i find it hard to believe that in 400 years, uh, even if we do leave Earth, that we would be that disconnected from even knowing what it was or even thinking that maybe it wasn't even real. You know what I mean? Yeah. Well, I... Because they never even call just, it Earth. They call it the Earth that was. And yeah. then and then even Jane kind of acts like he doesn't believe that it ever was a thing. Oh, really? Okay. So I was just yeah. I was just, so uh, so so you're bringing up really good points. That I, I mean, did we actually uh, screw up Earth so bad that nobody goes to Earth anymore? Uh, yeah, we screwed uh, up Earth so bad they had to leave. They had to leave the whole. Okay, so, so right. So they did that at the beginning of the movie. No, they, at the beginning of they, every show, oh. it has a little recap, and and in it it says yeah. humans used yeah. up the Earth, so we had to find a new one. We went to another solar system, terraformed all the moons and planets, and that's yeah. and then the core worlds of that solar system are the Alliance, and then the outer worlds are uh, the real the realm worlds, and they're the ones that were the brown coats. And then there was a fight; they lost. Now he's yeah. captain. Yeah. Blah blah blah. Yeah. So uh, if you watched them like that, then you would have gotten that little recap at the beginning of every episode, and the recap's actually in the comic yeah. book too. And it was at the, and a paraphrased version of it was at the beginning of Serenity. So yeah. okay, well, um, I watch it from the Blu-ray, and there is no recap. Right. So you are being exposed to something that I've never seen. At least I don't recall ever seeing. So that's great. That's wonderful. <laughs> um, but yeah, uh, also at the beginning of the movie, uh, which I have seen, and I did see the recap there. Yeah, so they moved on from Earth, right. and they did terraforming, uh, but the idea of terraforming, again, just being within the scope of one solar system is interesting, because I don't remember that from the movie recap at all. Right. I mean, terraforming, yes, but the idea that they are locked into a single solar system, uh, I don't recall that from the being insinuated at all in the opening of the movie. But they do that the opening of the TV show that you've been watching on Hulu? Yeah, and I think it's at the beginning okay. of the movie, too. So maybe maybe you just haven't watched it in a while. Yeah, that's probably true. 
Yeah, I don't remember them saying it was all within one solar system. Uh, they don't say it per se, but they say they went to a new solar system and then they started terraforming. They don't say that that's the only place where they're ever at, but I think that I think that is the case. Okay. Which 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 uh, with what you were saying makes it hard to believe that they were able to terraform planets as close to the sun as like Mercury and as far away as uh, as Pluto. I mean, where are they? Uh, where are they getting all these planets and moons and stuff? Where they could have that many planets? Right. And they're pretty good sized moons for you to have Earth standard gravity, or at least something even close to Earth standard gravity. Right. So if the moons are around really big planets like like Jupiter or something, um, sure, well, that could be a really big that could be a really big moon. Yeah, or if there's terraform. a if there's a huge asteroid belt that is right in the sweet spot and they're able to terraform all the all the asteroids and call those moons. I don't know. Yeah, yeah. But yeah, here, here's the uh, this is the opening of the comic book, which is matches the opening of the episodes. It says, after Earth was used up, we found a new solar system, and hundreds of new Earths were terraformed and colonized. The central planets formed the alliance and decided all the planets had to join their rule. There was a disagreement on that one. Okay, so they're skipping some. <laughs> you can't make hundreds of worlds in a single solar system. They did. That that's one of the things well, that I like about it because it's different, but it's also one of those things I don't like because it doesn't seem to doesn't make any sense. Right. Because my thing is is that somebody had to pay to to create all these worlds. And I think that if you paid to terraform it, then you can't have some you know, ranchers or prostitutes or whatever the episode was <laughs> come and say, This land is now ours when when technically it was just a hunk of space rock that somebody else put oxygen, water and plant life on. So uh that that's my number one problem with the show. And um, you know, I was then thinking, well maybe it was the war. The war somehow uh you know, everybody forfeited their rights when they were part of the war and that's why it's now a free for all. Um so and again, that's also the problem I have with it only being, you know, 300 years from now. Uh, that means that we, from now, we use up all of Earth, move to another solar system, terraform hundreds of planets, have a big war. You know, whoever terraformed it now lost ownership of the war, and now people are just, you know, uh, what's it called when you uh, homesteading? So you just go and claim claim a chunk of land as your own. Squatters rise. Right. Squatters, rats, privilege So yeah. So, anyways, again, it's something I liked because it's different. You don't see that mm -hmm. in any other science fiction that I that I've ever read or watched. But it also yeah. eh, it doesn't really make a lot of sense when you think about it too hard. No. No, it doesn't make any sense at all. But my wife pointed out that maybe that's why all the planets look like deserts. That it's uh, like. <laughs> Maybe Looks like the American those, West. Those planets are far enough, are so far away from the sun that they have to put something in the atmosphere in order to retain any kind of heat, and it prevents. But yeah. So I don't. Or know. something that blocks out the heat if you're a Mercury or a Venus. Right. But that would uh, be position, part of the alliance, planet. so that I would think that those would That's... be more lush and plentiful. So I don't know. Yeah. I haven't. Uh, I haven't well, delved I... that much into this yet. And nor do I. Yeah, there's think also. Go ahead. Yeah. Did the magical openings ever uh, talk about 
China and no. Earth or no, uh, North America? No. Blocks being the the main powers behind the alliance? Okay. Yeah, still no. Okay, so there are some things that the opening didn't explain. No, I pretty much okay. read the beginning, and then and then uh, it talks about how uh, you know basically it's it's the old West times, and uh, mm-hmm. uh, it says uh, after the war, many of the independents who had fought and lost drifted to the edges of the system, far from the alliance sure. control. Out here, people yeah. struggled to get by with the most basic technologies. A ship would bring you work. A gun would help you keep it. A captain's goal yeah. was simple: find a crew, find a job, keep flying. Yep. So, yep. So that was the that was the beginning of all the episodes <clears throat> I watched. Or for the most mm-hmm. part, there was two different versions. Some was some was Mal, and then sometimes it was uh, Shepherd Book. Right. But, uh, and they had slightly different wordage. Cool. Cool. Until the end, the last three episodes had nothing. It was just here's the episode, or previously on, and then they showed the episode. Right. So, anyways. All right, well, I'm glad that uh, I contributed something. <laughs> it's all one solar system, and take it or leave it, that's that's how the, the Firefly-verse goes. Right. Okay. Okay, so the um, what do you think about the arc? Um, I liked it, except for Jane. I don't think Jane looks like uh, Adam Baldwin. At all. I completely agree with you. He's a grizzled guy with very small facial features. Um, I also, yeah, I also have a problem with how big some of the characters are drawn. So um, I think I think the face is okay that they did with uh, Captain Mal. So he looks reasonably close to Nathan Fillion, mm-hmm. but his upper torso is like. It, it, it varies from panel to panel, but he looks like Arnold Schwarzenegger at his peak. So he's got, and in some of the panels, he's got such a little head, <laughs> and he's got this huge torso. Yeah, he's he's a muscular dude. Yeah. Not as muscular as Jane. They, they depict Jane as being really big. Yeah. Well, yeah. So, so there's more like more definition stuff with Jane, but... With the suspenders and everything, I mean, there's one in particular where, I mean, he looks like Paul Bunyan or something with a really tiny head and well-shaven and (laughs) clean-shaven. There's a picture where he's, you know, this is after the engine problems and stuff, and he's getting everybody together and saying what the game plan is. Right. And he's, like, putting a a glass down or a cup down on the the main table. And he towers over everyone. I mean, he is incredibly tall. And, and I know to some degree you could say that's um, perspective, you know. So, the, the, you know, you draw people a little smaller if they're further behind somebody else. But I think it goes beyond that. I mean, he is drawn to be absolutely a giant. Yeah, no, he's really and his, and his upper torso is just so big compared to his head. Anyway, it was just yeah, and he's doing a lot of talking, so there's a lot of word balloons. So yeah. I think that if the like Jane who's behind him and everybody else who's behind him uh, oh, was there at normal proportions, then it would just yeah. be their torsos, <laughs> right? Because <laughs> their heads would get chopped off with the word balloons. Yeah, yeah, but, yeah I can no, see. I, yeah. I absolutely I agree that. that he he looks giant, ginormous there. <laughs> <laughs> ginormous. 
it's like at this at the sake of symmetry and fitting in all the all the text. Uh, anyway, uh, but even even the doctor, Doctor Tam Simon, there's a panel where he's looking kind of beefy too in the chest, right. and he's a he's, a, he's a, like a skinny guy. Yeah, like everybody has comic book proportions here. Yeah. Yep. Yeah, all the women are, you know, rail thin, hourglass shaped. Right. As we got back into this, and I was reacquainting myself with Firefly and Serenity because I kind of got away from it for a while because there really was no new content sure. going on. Right. I always thought that Wash's name was Walsh. Ah. But his name is Wash, and that's short for Washburn. So I really didn't know what his last name was either. Right. So. Hoban Washburn is his full name, and I never knew that until we, we embarked upon this this great journey. Right. And rewatching all the shows, you know, I knew of Ron Glass's character as Shepard, mm-hmm. uh, but I'd forgotten that his name was Shepard Book. So every time mm-hmm. they mentioned his name as Book, I kept thinking Star Trek Discovery Season 2. Yeah. <laughs> Booker. Exactly. Yes, Exactly. So it was yes. it was a little funny hearing his name over and over again. Right. And, uh, and then I like in this book, I like the writing of this book. Uh, if we can step mm-hmm. away from the art for a minute, um, yeah. I think that the uh, the back and forth between the characters is really good, mm-hmm. especially like when the ship was on fire and yep. they're doing that little, uh, "Are we gonna die? Yeah, well, I'm working on it," you know that kind of thing. <laughs> uh, and then I'm talking to uh, Kaylee and she's trying to put out the fire, but they still have those those fun little. Whips. Um, I thought it was yes. really good. Really fit in with the show. Yeah. Um, I really felt like I was reading an episode of the show, which, which, you know, for that kind of show, which is a science fiction comedy. I mean, there's a lot of comedy in it, even though it's it's definitely a science fiction show. I thought they pulled it off well here in the comic book form. I agree. Which would be, you know, you would think that that would be hard to do, since you can't rely on the actors. Right. Uh, a hallmark of a lot of Joss Whedon, maybe everything that I know of that Joss Whedon has done, although maybe there's some exceptions, is he always in, tries to inject a lot of humor and funny quips. And uh, I think they that's what a lot of the Avengers ended up being, is a lot of uh, quippy kind of stuff going on. Right. Um, and I completely agree with you. I think they did a pretty good job instilling that same aspect of the original show in this comic. Right. I agree. Um, my only complaint with the uh, with the dialogue would be they don't have the cursing in, in Mandarin. You know, yeah. the show. The show falls on a lot. And Dark Horse Comics had a lot of uh, Mandarin thrown in when oh, they were they? cursing. But I, okay. I've read through, you know, the first five or six issues of this series, and I haven't seen any of that yet. So um, yeah. that is one of the things that's kind of a disconnect from from the show is is that uh, is that uh, random cursing in a language that that you can't understand. <laughs> <laughs> uh, how about in the novel? Do they do they do the do they slip into Mandarin from time to time in in the books, or is it all English? Well, um, I was listening sure. since I was it was an audiobook, and there is some Mandarin going on. All right, good. Right. Good. Well, maybe they'll bring it in later. Maybe it's just these first few issues. They didn't want to ostracize yeah. people. I guess somebody might have just thought, because quite frankly, in the original show, that was confusing. I never knew why they did all that. Oh, really? <laughs> 
I never knew like what. So I mean, so I was always thought, well, ooh, are they trying to say that you know, just because there being so many Chinese people in the world, uh, China won, and uh, and you know, China Chinese. China was the dominant language because more people spoke Chinese than anything else. And were they trying to say that Chinese was the main language, but you can't have a a show to a U.S. audience that's all in Chinese with, you know, with uh, subtitles or something? So it was kind of like speaking Klingon in part of a, a Star Trek movie. And then just to establish, yes, they speak Klingon. Mm-hmm. Now we can start hearing English. Right. I mean, was that what they were doing? But no. Uh, supposedly, it, West and East came together in an alliance, and they and everybody speaks both languages. Right. Um, fluently. So it's like, okay. And I thought it was a, it's a cool way that they could imply that they're cursing. Because they'll, they'll say something, and yes. then the person will be like, watch your yes. language. And you're like... Yeah. Uh, it's kind of funny because I don't know what you said, but it must have been bad. Yeah. So, yeah, it, I thought that was a very clever way to do the, the, the TV show. Yep. Yep, so you can swear all you like. Okay. And then I think the... the uh, won't know what it is. <laughs> exactly. And then I think the the uh, comic book, you know, in, in regards to the layout of the, of the books themselves, I think that I really like how they introduce each chapter, and it's the title page of the issues, the individual issues, but here it's just the mm-hmm. chapters, where they have, like, little quotes all over the page mm-hmm. from the, both the series and the, the movies. Yes. Uh, it, it really kind of, like, sucks you into the universe, especially if you, I mean, for me, I just watched it all, right? So for me, it's all fresh. Mm-hmm. But for somebody right. who hadn't just finished watching it all, uh, it would be a nice little reminder. Oh, I remember that, that quote from that that episode, you know, that kind of thing. I think that the layouts of the books themselves is actually a kind of a clever way of uh, incorporating the TV show into into new stories. Right. And the quotes they're, in, they're including in these little sections are some of the best quotes, most quotable thing in the TV series. I enjoy the book itself, both issues. The artwork and the writing, I think, is good. The artwork, again... Like you said, everybody's overly muscular and and Jane to me. I just I can't get over Jane just not looking. Like yeah, him. he acts like him. What he says yes. is Jane, but Jane. what he looks like uh, is not quite him. Yes, I agree. So uh, I, yeah, I, I, also the artwork though is I really I think they do a really good job with ships. Oh yeah, yeah, and missiles and space explosions. <laughs> And, fire, and, and fuel great. canisters exploding. Yes, look good. Exactly. <laughs> I think they did a great job on all that. Right. So as far as plot-wise go in this first issue, why are these settlers, why don't they take a shuttle? Did it ever say why they have to go by wagon train from the town to the river? Uh, no. I mean, especially if it says it's a known place to get uh, ambushed by these gangs. Yep. Um, and you do have hover and flight technology. Why not just well, shuttle okay, yourself over Okay, that's the trick, though. That's the trick. I mean, they're using covered wagons. Right. So it's – the way I think the universe is, is yes, there's all this technology around, but you've got to have money to, to buy the technology and use the technology. And there's a lot of people that aren't rich people. Sure. 
that don't have the technology. Like something that always came to my mind, and I don't know whether you came across this, but where did Mal get the money to buy Serenity in the first place? Yeah. I mean, buying a spaceship would be pretty expensive, and it seems like a lot of people in the world, they don't have a lot of money for high tech. That's why they've got all these primitive things right. that they're still using. Well, you saw the dumps, the the space dump that uh, he was he got Serenity from. So uh, there was yeah, a lot well, of ships there yeah. that, that nobody was buying. Right. Yeah. <laughs> no, I, I agree. Yeah. Well, was that uh, uh, out of gas? Was it out of gas that had those flashbacks? Uh, I don't remember the episode name. Sorry. Okay. Well, the one we got shot in the gut. Yeah. And right. Was... And he's. Flashback, right. yeah, yeah, because the, the the ship's dead in the water because it, it lost exactly. that little component right. off the engine. There you, there you go. Yeah, so um, yeah, yeah. I just you know the same thing with you know Star Wars and the Death Star. You know, if you're flying in to kill that one little shoot that one little spot, you know, right? Go <laughs> go into the trench a little closer instead of you know navigating the whole circumference of the of the planetoid to get to the little button you have to push. <laughs> right. Just go in right above it, and you're pretty good. Well, but I thought you'd be blasted out of the air, Donovan. I thought they had to go into the uh, trench to avoid all the laser turrets shooting outward. Sure. But then you got laser cho- turrets shooting. Uh, anyway, I don't. I don't. <laughs> that's a different franchise. But anyways, yeah. When when they're taking the wagons, I was just like, uh, I get where they're going from, but you know, they could have shuttled them over there. And then I thought, well, maybe there was some. Um, religious reason why they have to go on on horseback yeah well i got a question for you Mm -hmm. and bringing up religious reasons and stuff is i don't now i have not read forward in these books at all and this could just be me i could be totally wrong but brother philip and his people they just don't seem to be maybe it's the rough west but they don't seem that religious Especially how Brother Philip is reacting to the idea that the Chang BS gang was not killed right. by a Malin company. Right. Are they that big of a thorn in your, your side, Brother Philip, that you want to see people die? That doesn't sound very religious to me. Right. Well, and then when Book tries to find uh, – is that this issue where he I tries agree. to talk to him about what denomination they are? Yep. And they, uh, you know, they're, they're basically saying they're their own thing. Exactly. So they turn it back – well, yeah their own thing but also basically turning the questions back on book to stop i think that brother philip did what he did and was questioning book was to get him off the scent he, he didn't want them to know anything about them right uh so one way to get you stopping asking about you is by making the person asking you questions uh, defensive and and trying to turn the tables on them sure Yep. So I just think there's something else going on here, and I could be totally wrong, but I just don't think Brother Philip and the kids are what they say they are. Yeah, they, but, they seem weird. Yeah. Yeah, and they're definitely a different religious sect than Book, but he also seems not very priestly, too. Yeah. Right. Oh, uh, who, who seems not priestly? Uh, Shepherd, Shepherd Book. I mean, oh, he, Shepherd. he has oh, his okay. moments where it's like, I can't see... Modern day priest, uh, you know, shooting all these people, being okay with it. He has a past that unfortunately the show was never able to answer because they killed him off in the first movie. Spoiler. Yeah, but 
Yeah. Well, read the first novel. You find out his background. Oh, really? There is a Dark Horse comic, too, that's called Shepherd's Tale, which I was wondering ah, if maybe that also goes that, into his backstory. I, I'm guessing it does. Yeah. Although I haven't read it. Yeah. I, I did notice it, and we're going to get to it, but... Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, yeah well, we okay. purposely chose this one uh, because it's a more, it's the more modern reboot as opposed to going back to the uh, original Dark Horse ones. Um, so, But we will get there. We will get there. Yes. We're jumping all over the place like we did with Star Trek. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Well, we got a lot of things to talk. Although we're kind of talking about the series as we talk about books. So. It's hard not to. Yeah. That's all I have to say about this one. All right. So I have one comment, and it has to do with the graphic novel itself. It's called Unification mm-hmm. War Volume 1. Very little of it, I mean, especially in these first two issues, has anything to do with the Unification War. I mean, there's like a little yeah. flashback of one frame of, yes, there was a big war, which we saw flashbacks in the show, too, where they would do like a random flashback of, you know, Mel on the Wayland yutani gun turret, which I always thought was great. Mm-hmm. A little nod to Alien. <laughs> um, but, uh, oh, I didn't get that. Yeah, if you look at the readout when he's like shooting it, you can see the yeah. Wayland yutani logo up in the top or in the right in the middle in the top. Top middle. Okay, section. so so they're actually saying this is part of the alien universe. That's that's what I'm saying. And Joss Whedon huh. did write the screenplay for Alien Four. So oh, right, he's a fan. Right. You know, it's amazing how many things that Whedon has written and hasn't necessarily been uh, executed on. Right. Yeah. They kind of. They. I don't think they got his tone. If he didn't direct it himself, then. I don't think the directors understood what he was going for, and then it comes out of right. a mess, like in right. the original Buffy movie that uh, the Alien Four movie. Oh my God! Yeah, yeah. Well, the original, yeah, the original Buffy screenplay was nothing like what the director—I forgot his name—who um, ended up making the movie, which is forgettable. Has Luke Perry um, and Paul Rubens in it? That—that's—that's that's as much as I remember of it. Paul Rubens as a vampire. Yeah, and he uh, and I remember, <laughs> I remember I went to the movie mainly to see Paul Rubens because I was a big Pee Wee fan when I was a kid. Uh-huh. Um, right. And I wanted to see him do something different, and then he's right. just hamming it up as a as this vampire, right. a very uh, goofy one. And then I think he dies with like a ruler or a pencil or something stabbed in him. Yeah, something, yeah, something stupid. <laughs> but hamming it up is kind of his thing. Sure, sure. Because of that, Pee Wee. That's well. He plays it straight in Batman. Uh, Batman Returns. Oh really? I don't. It's been a while since I've watched that. Uh, he's only in it at the beginning. He he's the Penguin's father that, that throw him into the sewer. Oh right, right. Okay, okay. Well, we we gotta get back to this. Yep. You ready for the uh, issue two? Let's do two. All right. So as Ken said, a plethora of, of covers. So we'll just kind of cherry pick here. This issue came out in December of 2018. There is one cover of issue one that I wanted to briefly talk about. It was the um, Slab City exclusive. I guess that's a comic book company or a comic book seller. They did a a cover that looks just like the uh, Star Wars issue one by Marvel. So it even has like the Marvel, what would have been the Marvel banner up at the top, but it's just all purpled out. 
and it says the greatest space western of all time, Firefly. And then it has Mal in the place of Luke, and it has River's face in the background as where Darth Vader's face was. It's it's a really cool cover. It's quite expensive. So if you want that cover, you're going to drop a uh, 100 bucks for a single issue. So a little pricey for me. Back to issue number two, there is the main cover, which shows a hand reaching for a gun on a leg holster. And that is by Lee Garbett. There is a cover B, which is by Joe Quinonos. Probably not how you pronounce it. But it just shows Walsh holding on to uh, Zoe with Malcolm in the background. And then the uh, the other cool cover, the maybe the coolest cover left, is uh, by Dan McDade. And it shows, it looks like Malcolm and Zoe from the past dressed up in their soldier uniforms. And then in the back of that, we see uh, kind of silhouettes or profile pictures of them now. So it's, it's a really cool painting with this big uh, like line in, in the middle of it, kind of dividing it. It's, uh, it's kind of hard to describe, but it's, it's very pretty. It's oh so pretty. And then, like I said, there's quite a few more which you can go online and look at if you uh, so choose to do. So the stories start with all of Bethlehem hearing the claims from the Unificators stating that Mal and Zoe are war criminals and they both have sizable bounties on their head. Wash and Anara watch on board Serenity. And then on the planet, we see the Chang Bennett's gang watching from their camp. And then the gang wants to go back to collect the bounty. But the leader, I guess his name is Chang, reminds the gang that they are trained killers and they should be happy that they survived their last encounter. Uh, the minions do not take too kindly to that notion and perhaps are looking to get a new leadership here immediately. Meanwhile, back at the wagon train, Jane, River, and Simon wonder what the two could have done to warrant such a high bounty. A knowing look between the two war vets and a few panels of the fiery carnage of war is all us the reader get. The pilgrims that they are escorting seem to get even more excited to have honest-to-God war criminals escorting them. Mal then orders everyone to load up and move out. Wash contacts his wife via the radio and offers to swoop in and pick them up in the shuttle. She rejects the notion since the Unificators would see the shuttle and know exactly whereabouts they are. Jane offers that maybe they should just rob the pilgrims and head back to town to get the parts they need and then bug out. Shepard and Mal remind Jane that they are not the bad guys here and that they will complete the job that they were hired to do, escort the pilgrims safely to the river. On the track through a gorge, Simon and Book have a chance to talk. Simon wonders what Zoe and Mal could have done. Book reminds him that warriors are all war criminals to the other side, and even alludes that perhaps that applies to himself. Suddenly, the wagon train is stopped by the gang formerly known as the Chang Benetz Gang. They refuse to see reason even when they see that Zoe has the high ground and can easily shoot any one of them. A massive firefight ensues. All of the gang members, except for one, are taken down by Zoe, Mal, and Jane's new favorite, Big Gun. The Pilgrims also take a loss in that Brother Jacob is shot right through the brain pan. 
During the fight, we also see some panels of war flashbacks experienced by Mel as he sees parallels in the two bloody wastes of life. And in one of the panels, we see that Mal brings down a whole Alliance ship using some sort of laser bazooka thing. As the dust is settling, Walsh arrives in a shuttle just to be shot at as he approaches. He crashes, but everybody aboard is okay. And I do mean everyone. Anora, Kaylee, and Walsh were all on the shuttle. They say that they saw the Fireflight on the scanners and decided they needed to help. Mal and Zoe say that they are going to go elsewhere while everyone else continues the trek to the river. Since they are the only ones that are wanted, the pilgrims should be safe. Wash refuses to stay while his wife goes off and risks her life. So Zoe then shoots him in the leg to keep him from joining her. Wash then also shoots her in the leg as he attempts to keep the woman he loves from sacrificing herself. Meanwhile, the lone gang member that escaped previously is found by the Unificators, including the female leader named Boss Moon. She is clad in futuristic gear and sporting an eye patch over her left eye. She looks at the battered man and demands to know, where are they? To be continued. To be continued. Great. Great. Okay, so we get to meet Scorpius. I mean, uh, Boss Moon. Yeah, when I was reading this, I also got a Scorpius vibe when I saw her, because she's, uh, she's very thin and all dressed in black. And uh, I was happy when you said the same thing. <laughs> and of course, we mean Scorpius from Farscape, of course. Right. Who, I, you know, I think Scorpius was one of the greatest villains in TV. Oh, yeah. I just, I just thought he was just so beyond awesome. Yeah, he just, I mean, uh, was dangerous. I mean, he, he, he would kill you just to look at you, but then also he was, he was just very mesmerizing, both visually and storytelling wise. Yeah, and the actor was fantastic. His facial makeup and his outfit, I just, I don't know how I could improve it. It was just so perfect. Yeah, I was so excited yeah. when he was cast in uh, Star Wars Episode Three. And I was just like, oh, oh, who could he be? Who could he be? Yeah, okay. But yeah, he played a pretty major character. He was um, Moff Tarkin in that very last scene when it when it shows Darth Vader and the Emperor looking at the Death Star being created. He's playing Tarkin in that in that shot. Oh, okay. It's a very the... minor role. It's a major character, but a minor role in that movie. Okay. I was very disappointed. He got very little screen time. Oh. I mean, they could have stuck any tall, lanky guy. So in there. episode, okay. So episode three. Yeah, the Avengers, but or the, but they didn't show his. I mean, that was from a distance, right? Yeah, right, right. Yeah, he didn't have any lines okay. or anything. Oh. Yeah, okay. it was disappointing. Okay, but it was Fine. still cool to see the actor. Yeah, yeah. I don't remember ever seeing him without his makeup on, so I don't know quite what he looks like. Uh, so he kind of looks a little bit like uh, uh, Peter, Peter Cushing. Cushing. Uh, I don't know. They they okay, might have had okay. makeup on him in that shot too, to give yeah, him those probably. those pointy cheekbones. <laughs> right, right, right. Cool. I did not know that. Okay, again, we're off on a tangent. All right. But Boss Moon, so she's obviously set up as the big bad. I mean, your your heroes can only be as good as your villains. Right. 
Yeah, so I haven't read too far into the is- issues. I read I read this whole graphic novel, so I finished issues three and four, and the Bad Company, which is a Saffron story issue mm-hmm. that she's also in. So as Saffron models Mrs. Mrs. Reynolds. Yeah, Mrs. Reynolds. <laughs> okay, which is a good story, so I highly recommend anybody reading that. But yeah, she's definitely being played up as the the big bad, but I don't know. If that stays the same, can you have a big bad always chasing you issue to issue? Or is something going to happen to her character where she becomes a companion of some sort? I don't know. I don't know what they're going to do. I don't know. But I've seen covers, and she's in lots of issues later down the road, so she doesn't go anywhere. Yeah, okay, so she's a recurring character, either the ongoing baddie or maybe something else, morphs into something else. Uh, I, I hate to mention Farscape again, but the original big bad... And Farscape followed that trajectory. I forgot his name because it's been a long time, but he was the big ship commander that was after him for like several seasons. Right. And then in the end, he kind of morphed into a uh, new crew member. Right. Kind of thing. Yeah, and once Scorpius kind of took over because he wasn't in the Exactly. And it's like I was kind of getting sick of the first guy. But I thought he was such a good bad guy. I almost hated to see him go. But then they brought Scorpius on. I was like, oh, yeah. He, he was also the voice of Pilot. What? what hold on a second. Who, who was? The guy who, the main bad guy, the, the goatee black-haired guy. Oh, really? Yeah. He, he was the voice of Pilot? Yeah. I didn't know that. Yeah, I, thought, I always thought that was oh, funny because wow. they're polar opposite. Uh, they, they don't sound Characters. at all the same. Oh, wow. What? Okay. He's a very talented actor. You ain't kidding. <laughs> An actor. So, so, anyways, yeah, it was kind of cool to see uh, this boss, boss moon. I don't think they ever call her that here, but, uh, but like I said, I've, I've read further, and, and that's what they call her later. Yeah, right. Yeah, me too. Because, because they ended it, and I, I in my, <laughs> in my notes, I, I had to call her something. Right. Anyway. So, what do you think of that gun that Jane uses? That BFG. Yeah. Oh my gosh! Oh my gosh! <laughs> that is something I've never seen in uh, in the show. I uh, d- doesn't that remind you a little bit of uh, aliens? Like the so smart one gun? of the one of the marines. Yeah, one of the marines had that that girl, that lady. Vasquez, Vasquez lady. and Drake had had the, the smart go. guns. Okay, though that reminds me a little bit of this. Uh, definitely the way he's holding it. But this yeah. one has like the double barrel thing going, and uh, yeah, it, it it looks it looks like the I wanted to say BFG, but uh, I don't know I don't that. know how many people play Doom and would know what I was talking about. <laughs> <laughs> and the uh, and is that the gun magazine sticking out the side? Yeah, I'm assuming I mean, so. The, but the, it, the, the the bullets or whatever. Yeah, but it only looks like it's connected like through a little tether so yeah. it, it, it doesn't make sense that that would be where the ammo was but who knows no but who knows? It, it looks good it, it looks and great. it could be a laser right because i mean that's the kind of the cool thing about um firefly is they use both projectiles and lasers right so i mean some characters yeah. have lasers the alliance uses some sort of like um almost like a sound wave or something that would that yeah. would kill the person but leave the leave the the door un- unhurt, right? Because there's a scene where he's Jane's trying to escape, and he uses the Alliance gun, and it does no damage right. to the gun to the to the door. And I think they mentioned that in another episode that uh, 
that their weapons. Yeah, but were those were those stun guns though? I don't know. Uh, some kind of sonic stun gun. I was kind of getting the idea that that's what the alliance used. That would actually kill you. Yeah, they, that okay. they would kill you even though. I mean, you saw that the men with the blue hands would kill you with a little wand. Well, those guys, the, those men in black guys. Okay, we're, now we're jumping forward to some of the episodes, but those men in black guys, that weapon was very cool. Right. Now, the fact that it would kill you with sound or something uh, or radiation, I'm not quite sure, so violently yeah. and painfully. Uh, melt, melt your brain scanner style, just like. Just yeah, oh, yes. Now we're, now we're talking. <laughs> now, now we're tangenting on the scanners. Okay, good. <laughs> so anyways, back to this issue. Um, yeah, that gun was, was really weird. Yeah, that's, it it yeah, looks cool. cool. Made a cool panel, but it's not something we've ever seen in. In no, because they're no, and quite practical there. Real yeah, and quite frankly, you know, it's great and everything. You sh- nobody should think that much, but it's like, where did he get it? <laughs> he had it all I one mean, of those trucks, he, I guess. It's not one you can hide behind your uh, your trench coat. No. <laughs> and when they came at first, and then they they actually met the brothers and got the job, it's like. He wasn't carrying that. No. So it's like, okay, whatever. It's a cool scene. Yeah, so I wonder if they paid them in advance, or are they going to give them the money when they get to the river, and then, I mean, because if you think that they could have gotten some advance money, then Wash and Kaylee could be getting parts. Getting some parts, yeah. Yeah. Yeah, good point. And I'm I'm I, with you. I always called him Walsh, Walsh, W A L S H. So I have a yeah. hard time just calling him Wash. Yeah, because that, that's not a name. I'm sorry. Which is weird, because like I said, I've only watched the movie, the show, you know, back when it was new, 20 years ago. Mm. Yeah. And uh, I don't know why I thought it was Walsh all these years. Probably because you told oh. me, or it's the Mandela effect. What are the oh, oh, I did. I told you. I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> Well, because Walsh is a name, and wash is something you do on the weekend to have clean clothes. <laughs> yeah. So, anyway. anyways. So, again, we have some flashbacks, just random flashbacks to the Unification War. Uh, yeah. It doesn't really tell you much. And so I find it weird that they're naming the whole series after, you know, maybe four or five panels in the whole issue. Well... <sighs> I agree. So they're naming the whole thing the Unification War, but is this some additional war going on? Because Unification War is what happened in the past. Right. And we're moving the storyline forward into the future. I completely agree. And I get that they're war criminals from the Unification War, but I also find that hard to believe because I assume it would have been like the Civil War where they would have somehow been forgiven for what they did during the war, right? So they could right. move forward with society instead of, you know, putting half your population in jail. Right. Yep. One of the flashbacks, though, and maybe I was reading forward or something, I mean, it actually showed Mal in... Yeah. No, it was this issue. Oh, where he so shoots that hospital in or anger, something? Yeah, it, he shoots an entire building. He grabs a shoulder-mounted bazooka or a mega bazooka a mega future bazooka and it seems like it destroys an entire building right yeah and in the next and, issue we find out that's a hospital so 
Oh, okay. Yeah, okay. in my synopsis, I called it a ship because yeah. I don't know why I was thinking that that was the shot where he shot the ship, but I think that was actually episode one, issue one. Okay. Okay. So yeah, we learned that that's a, actually a hospital that he destroyed. Okay, okay, fine. But because... you know what? I never caught that he did it out of anger. I just thought that was just what he was. But I guess you're right. His his buddy died. Exactly. He did it for revenge. Yeah. So Jacob or Jorgens. Okay, so Jorgens getting Jacob shot through the head gave him the flashback against about the war buddy that got killed. What was his name? Jorgensen. Jorgensen. And that's what triggered him to destroy an entire building. Right. So they never talked about any of that in the TV series or anything. No, nah, they just say. So they did, they did stuff, but they don't. They don't go into any details. Exactly. So this storyline is is taking it up a notch and giving them more of a reason to be uh, hunted. Yeah. So maybe it's he's thinking of all this because somehow that's connected to Boss Moon. It gives Boss Moon more of a reason to come after him. And he knows that this is what he did that was wrong. Yeah. Maybe. Yep. Yep. When you and your wife have a disagreement, do you guys just shoot each other in the leg? Yeah. And say, I love you. (laughs) (laughs) I love you, honey. No. I think that was kind of dumb. I thought it was a little dumb. Right. Quite frankly. And now Zoe goes anyway, but now she's gimped up with uh, a leg wound. Right. Good job. Yeah, uh, yeah. There should be some ramifications from that action. Yeah, yeah. I didn't, I didn't there, care for that. That those three panels right there. No. I, well, okay. So there's an example of trying to do a little bit of Whedon humor that may not have quite landed right. Well, or as the show's full of that too. So. <laughs> well, most of it's good. Yeah. But yeah. No. No. He, he can't be. Yeah. Everything can't be perfect. Nope. Not everything works. There might have even been a few Star Trek Taz episodes that didn't 100% work. What? What? That's Buck's brain. So you think the art consistent or better, worse than the first issue? I think it's bad. and I think it's good and bad. I mean, again, there was one panel in particular where Jane looked nothing like Adam Baldwin. <laughs> oh, yeah. Like every frame. He never looks yeah. like him. He's, he's the only one that consistently does not look like uh, the actor. Yeah. Well, there's one in particular where Mal's on horseback. Jane's more in the foreground, so you can really see his face. Right. And he's got, like, you know, like like the beard thing going. And his face looks nothing like Adam Baldwin. Yeah. He looks like, uh, what was his name, Michael Shannon from uh, oh. uh, Man of Steel. Oh. Looks like... Looks like Zod from that from that movie. He looks like Zod. Yeah, with the goatee. <laughs> he looks more like Zod than he looks like Jane. Exactly. Yeah. But I did like that scene that. where Jane's like, "We should just kill the pilgrims and take their stuff and go back." <laughs> it's just a very Jane That's thing. That's Jane. To say. That's Jane. I do not understand why they keep him around. He he adds nothing to. I mean, I get that he's he's kind of funny, but he causes more problems well, than solves. Well. But in a fight, he brings the BFGs <laughs> to bear. Um, sure. There was that episode where he ends up taking out the old crime lady's uh, sniper. Right. And then takes over his rifle and, you know, is is doing the sniper thing. It's like, boy, they would have been dead if it wasn't for that. Sure. But so. But he also, he also turned in River and Tant. Yes, River that's true. Diamond. That's true. During safe. 
Yeah. And then here he's, I don't think he's, when he's like kidding about we should, we should turn in the, the Mal and Zoe. Is he kidding? That's what I'm saying. I don't know if he is. It would pay for the cells. Yeah. <laughs> to pay for the you know, I think they, they do it as a, like, a joke and then, but then again, I'm like, I, I think he might have, he might really do it. Well, that's the interesting thing about the character, right? Because he was saying poop like that all the time in the TV show. Right. And then he finally did it. He finally betrayed him. Right. And then he felt bad about it and went way out of his well, way to try that, to make it. Right. Al was threatening to release him out of an airlock. <laughs> right. And then, of course, in the movie, he came pretty close to mutinying. So, yep, yeah, he's a loose cannon. I can't even on remember why. What does he do in the movie? That, I just watched um, it and I can't remember. Yeah, he Mal says what they're going to do, and then oh well, they uh, all yeah, Jane is forcing against right, it, right? Yeah, and then and then Mal says, uh, "Well, maybe you can be captain then," and he goes, "I think I will." <laughs> it's like, yeah, okay, Jane. Right, but then they all then they all side with him, and he's like, "Well, yeah, in the end, yeah." The end, I, I think I like that movie. I just, I it really felt like an episode, and then. They just tried to stretch it into a, a, a well, movie. Yeah. Like, we'll just add a whole well, bunch think, of fight scenes and really pad the time. Okay. The time. Well, I guess we're done with the books. Are we done with the books? Uh, let's see. Do I have any more about this issue? Uh, actually, I do not. Okay. Well, I'd like to say something. Okay. So now we're moving from the books, which are great and are going to be the foundation of this new amazing podcast. But now we want to switch back and talk about... Uh, the movie, the TV show, those kind of things, uh, the basis of what it, we're going to see in all the comics, and because we love it so. And you're bringing up something that I definitely wanted to talk about, which was um, what did they do with that movie? How that? Why is it even in existence? I think they were. I think I mean, they wanted it to be the next Star Trek. Well, okay. Okay, so Universal Studios wanted it to be the next Star Trek, Star Wars, whatever. They wanted a franchise mm-hmm. that they could, you know, make ongoing movies and make money with, with a known property. And I guess an executive at Universal wanted to work with Whedon for a while, and Whedon said, well, if you want to work with me, this is what I want to do. And then so... Yeah, so I, I guess Universal bellied up to the bar and paid Fox what they needed to to uh, get the rights to make the movies. Right, and it's it's a good movie. I mean, uh, I just watched it. I really enjoyed I like it. it, and and I loved the opening shot where you could tell they basically recreated the whole Serenity to scale. Right, so I mean, mm-hmm. like they there's this one long continuous shot that's what opens the movie where they literally yep. go throughout the whole ship. Never breaking, never cutting, and it, it's just like from going to the TV show where you could tell they didn't have much of a budget to there where they were able to basically rebuild everything and it looks fantastic. It was a really nice opening shot, I thought. Yeah. And it was probably something that Whedon always wanted to do. Now, mind you, some of those TV sets were mighty big. Sure. And it, it did go a fair amount in the ship, but I agree with you. They never had – I mean – they were separate. Yeah. Right. They were separate sets, right? Yeah. But here, right. you know, they walked from one room to the next room to the next room to the engine, exactly. back to the bridge. It was just like, oh, it was so cool. Something Whedon always probably wanted to do. Right. And now had the money to do it. So, yeah, I don't know why they did it. I mean, as far as 
And I don't know why they killed off the people they killed off, especially the way they did it. I, I thought that was pretty cheap. Do you want me to tell you? Well, you mentioned something, so yeah, go ahead. I couldn't find any way to prove what you said, though, so go ahead and say it. Oh, okay. <laughs> I did try to look it up, but I couldn't find anything that co- collaborated. Well, okay, yeah, I, you're right. I mean, this this could have been a, this could have been a rumor, but supposedly I got this from a YouTube video that talked about a couple things you probably didn't know about uh, the Serenity movie and that kind of thing. Mm-hmm. Anyway, so the bottom line is Universal wanted to do this 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 new franchise, and Ron Glass. And uh, Alan Tudyk, is that right? I think it's Tudyk. I never do. Tudyk, okay, Tudyk. They didn't want to sign a long-term contract that included multiple movies. Uh, They didn't want to be tied into that because they wanted to do other things. It's like, oh, okay, whatever. So supposedly because they did not sign a long-term contract, the studio wanted the character to be killed off. Now, I thought it was just that's something that Joss Whedon likes to do just to show how serious the situation is. Right. But supposedly they wouldn't sign a long-term contract, so... Huh. Well, that's too bad. I mean, I had heard that Joss Whedon just wanted to do it to show that, uh, you know... Because they never did that in Star Trek, you know. You never... They didn't kill a character off one up, you know, just randomly in one episode, which they did, so I don't know why I'm saying that. (laughs) I know. And they killed off Spock in the second one. (laughs) Yeah, but... So, but, they, but yeah, I'd always well, they, heard they that. They killed off Tasha Yar in Next Gen. Right. But that was because of contract issues. Right? Because she, so she, was, she was making noise about not being satisfied. Right. She didn't get enough screen time. So that's part of the reason. And you know something else? Did you know that in Voyager, at, the, at one of the season finales, they left it open that possibly Captain Janeway was killed? Oh, really? Because she yeah. maybe wasn't going to come yeah, back? Exactly. Huh. So uh, she, there were contract negotiations going on, and I forgot I forgot the actress's name. Kate Mulgrew. Who, who, Kate Mulgrew. Um, so there was some something going on where the contracts weren't getting signed, and whether it was money or whatever, there was actually a scene where you could assume that there was like an attack going on on the bridge. And you could assume that Janeway was dead. Oh, wow. And and they made noise about killing her off and having Chakotay take over as captain. But whatever the contracting or whatever issues were going on, they were resolved. And, you know, Janeway was back in the captain's seat uh, for the next season. Well, is that also the reason why Best of Both Worlds have Picard? Oh, I think you're right. I think you're right about that. I mean, I I don't know, but now that you're mentioning it, I'm kind of like, I wonder if that's also what they were thinking then. I think that's possible. Because wasn't there a time when Patrick Stewart was making noise about not being 100% happy? Oh, really? I uh, I don't know. With something? I don't know know whether it was money or... You know, the direction of the show and the character, I, I didn't quite know. Yeah. But um, All I know is that I when I was possible. a kid, that, that summer after that episode was just like, oh my goodness, so you're going to get Captain Riker and First Officer, um, Well, what's her face? <laughs> I, I, had a, <laughs> I thought I had it all planned out. Well, at the uh, there was an episode. Remember the episode in season one of, of TNG? And we are going to get back to Firefly in a minute. Where, um, where there was the crystalline entity thing. Yeah going on and Picard 
you know, could have been dead during that episode. I forgot the details of what went on. But uh, my roommate at the time, because I had just moved to the Bay Area, and my buddy, uh, Mark, uh, we we uh, shacked up. We shared a uh, an apartment over there. And he wasn't that much of a Star Trek fan. But uh, he was watching this episode, and he said, oh, so they're going to get rid of the old guy and put the young guy as captain. <laughs> I was like, uh, I don't think so, Mark, but I, I hope you're not right. <laughs> right. But that was, yeah, that was his moniker for Picard, the old guy. Mm, the old guy. He wasn't that old. I mean, what, was he 40s? Yeah, he looked uh, old, though. Well, very he distinguished. Hair, yes, very distinguished. Okay. Why don't you say something? And I'll come back to what I wanted to because I've been, I've been hogging. It's fine. Sorry. Go for it. You wanted to talk about okay. the individual episodes, or you wanted to? Well, okay. I, I just want to hit really. I want to hit this really fast. Here's some trivia. Uh-huh. And I actually mentioned a little bit of it before, but Alan Tudyk, who of course is Wash, uh, is a Texas native, born in El Paso and raised in Plano, Texas. All right. That's just. Uh... Well, that's a half skip and a jump away, away from, from where you live. Yeah, exactly. exactly. Yeah, and, and he graduated uh, a couple of years before me, so it's like, oh, it's oh, like, hold on, geez. you guys went to the same high school? No, 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 what? No, no, no. But I'm just saying, age wise and location oh, wise, we, we we could have crossed paths. Who knows? Oh, okay. He's not that much okay. older than me. Yeah, you could have bumped into right. each other in an arcade the mall or, something. or something. Like, hey, one day you're going to be K2SO, <laughs> and he's going to say, I don't know who that is. Yeah, I don't know. Uh, yeah, I get the feeling he was a geek. Yeah, oh man, total geek. I, I, he's one of my favorite actors. I, I'll watch anything yeah. that he's in just because he's in it. Yeah, he always brings something extra to the role. Uh, what he, what he does, right. and that's great. Although I will say that Wash is basically him. Is it? When do you think that Wash is basically him? Wash is it? He always plays this character that kind of seems like him. Even even <laughs> the resident alien. I mean, from. Because I've seen him a couple oh. times in person, and that's kind of the way he is. He's just this, like... <laughs> Weird guy. I, I, I really like him a lot. Yeah, he's, he's excellent. Okay, uh, real quick, because we just mentioned it before, is uh, you do see a flag every once in a while. And on one of the covers, one of the drawings that you mentioned, where that was showing them in their uh, Unification War outfits and stuff, yeah. um, there is a flag for the um, alliance. And it actually was meant to be a combination of the U.S. flag and a uh, Chinese flag. Oh, okay. So you can look this up online. You can just go, you know, just type it in and do a search on the, uh, you know, Firefly Alliance flag, and it'll pop up. And it's really funny. <laughs> uh, supposedly you can see this in some scenes, in some sets, during the TV show, but it actually does have red, white, and blue background. And, you know, so there are red and white stripes on it, and then there's also a big rectangle of red with yellow stars. So it really is a conglomeration of of uh, current. But, the, but this flag uh, only flag. has one giant star and then five stripes. Uh, okay, that's not what I'm looking at. Yeah, the one I'm looking at. Oh, are there different versions out there? Huh. Okay, so yeah, the the one I'm looking at, and also was one of the covers showed it. Uh-huh. Is there are uh, six stars, six yellow stars, 
on a red background. And then behind that is a blue box on the left. So like like behind that. And then there's red and white. I mean, it's almost like, like the Chinese parts are overlaid on top of the American uh, flag parts. What do you? Uh, I don't see that. So you're at looking all. at something with one star? I don't see that as a cover at all. You, oh, you said it's a cover. Uh, yeah, one, one of the covers. One of the alt, one of the covers for uh, these these comics. Mm, nope. Uh, well, okay. Let's let me let me the, point out the page. The flag looks like it's green, green with yellow stripes and a black star in the middle. That, that's that's what the flag I see. No, not at all. Okay, so. Okay, so the PDF. So at the very end of the graphic this is novel. The one, this is the one by J.G. Jones. Remember the one done by J.G. Jones that we were talking about forever before the episode? Uh-huh. And by the way, we can cut this out, probably. Um, but yeah, look at that oh, okay. and look at the flat. That's the issue. That's. Okay, I'm Okay, yeah, I issue? see it now. Yeah, that's not the flag that's in all the other. That's, that's, that's issue one. But yeah, you're right. Okay, but I see it now. Okay, the, yeah. so the flag they show you, on issue two and and later all just have the five stripes, green and yellow with a big black star. So this is the only oh. one that has that one. Interesting. Okay, well, what's shown on this one matches up with what you what I saw when I did a Google search. Okay. So. Interesting. Okay, so there may be other versions of the flag out there, but um, the one I tended to see... Anyway, the main point is the flag is a conglomeration of the uh, U.S. and uh, Chinese flags, underscoring the idea that the alliance originally was made up of a alliance between uh, you know, East and West, U.S. and uh, China. Cool. Um, oh, here's another bit, bit of trivia, which I didn't notice, but it, I, thinking back makes sense. Every space scene is without sound effects. Uh, so when the ship's moving uh, or you have other things going on, there's no sound uh, because, you know, there's no air in space, so there can't be any sound. Right. Which Battlestar so Galactica I thought that was borrowed. Huh? Which Battlestar Galactica did as well. Yeah. Yeah. Well, it makes total sense, but it's like it's not what you expect. No, yeah, or from, from typical science. Yeah, you want to hear the engines scream by when the yeah, when the time goes hell by. yeah, hell yeah. Okay, Whedon intended the show to ha- run for seven seasons. Low ratings at first, but the main reason it was canceled was that the Fox executives thought it was too dark. Joss Whedon and the cast refused to change the storyline so fox canceled it with only 11 episodes out of the 14 that had actually aired on tv that's crazy um that is crazy and then prior to its cancellation fans formed a firefly immediate assistance campaign which involved sending postcards to fox network executives to support the production of the show after that failed the campaign worked on getting another network such as upn to pick it up for the second season, um, the campaign ended up being unsuccessful in securing the continuation of the show. But I think what might have happened is they were at least able to get the last three episodes aired 
Because right. if you look at the air dates, there's a big gap. Mm. So I think the last episode before it was canceled was Objects in Space, okay, which was broadcast on December 13th, 20, or 2002. And then the next episode that was broadcast was in the summer. So Trash was the 12th episode broadcast and it was and that was June 21st 2003 and then the message was the next one that was broadcast on June 28th and then Heart of Gold Heart of Gold go figure was the last one all right so what else you got Ken I just wanted to point out that another reason <laughs> that they give to why Firefly was not successful and maybe it's true, maybe it isn't, is because of the 52-card pickup approach that Fox used to actually air the episodes. Um, right. Now, of course, I think probably a lot of people that were fans know that Fox, we're not crazy about the hour-and-a-half uh, opening episode that introduced all the characters, introduced the universe, actually made things you know make sense before you go into you know the rest of the stories. It makes a lot of sense to be able to, especially in futuristic things, where you are introducing the uh, audience to what's going on in the characters. And Fox chose instead to air a train robbery, a heist episode, which was more exciting. They thought they would like grab the third people. Episode. Right. So we know about that one, or at least I think a lot of people know about that one. But... The episodes all had a narrative order. They didn't all refer to each other, not by a long shot. Some of the episodes were very standalone. But some of these episodes brought even the same characters back between episodes. And they just really put things in very different orders. Order of broadcast versus order that they were intended to be in because of the narrative threads that were going on. Uh, Right. Some of the long-running things that, that were going on in the storylines and it's kind of hard to get this across but for example objects in space was actually supposed to be the last episode but it it was actually broadcast forth from the end and that was the one with the bounty hunter that was the one with the bounty yeah the ba- jubal early who was the right. bounty hunter and uh, who talked a lot that acted a lot like River. I, I kept waiting for them to imply that he was also augmented like she was. Oh! Oh, how interesting. Hmm. Yeah, I really liked him. He was funny. Oh, he, he was a very interesting character. Because he just said things that were like, what? He said things like River. Like, when he was talking about the room, could it be her room if she's not in it? Or is it just, you know... You know uh-huh. I, it's a very, very River thing to say. He, like, he would, yeah. How could this be his room if he's not in it? You know, that kind exactly. of Exactly. Yeah, no. I, and that's why I think that uh, they were implying... That, or at least I assumed that they were at some point going to imply that he was uh, augmented like she was. Right. Um, which they never said that. No, but they maybe that was part of it. But he, he seemed to be an independent bounty hunter. But, I mean, there was only so much... I mean, you had, you had to fill in a lot of blanks with that character. Sure. You don't know what his history is. Although, uh, River kind of freaks him out a bit with how much she does know about him. And 
Then when he realizes why she knows so much about him, she, he figures out, which I'm, this is, shouldn't be a spoiler for anybody. I'm sure anybody listening to this would know. Uh, it's because River was actually hiding out in his ship. Um, right. Anyway, so Jubal comes onto the Serenity to, 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 to grab River. Um, and anyway, so yeah. So that was supposed to be the last episode from a narrative thread, but it was actually the 10th, ep- 10th broadcast episode. Right. Yeah. And also, I think we both said the same. Another thing we said before the uh, episode recording is that the character reminds us just a little bit of the Alliance operative that was played by Chiwetel Ijefor. I know I did. he's one of the few people that I can't be sure if I got his first name right or his last name. Um, right. But in Serenity... The, exactly uh, in Serenity, the Alliance Hunter or whatever he was. Yeah, he was the Alliance operative who was again after River. But this guy, he actually had Alliance ships at his command, so he was an Alliance operative. He was an Alliance spook, and I did like that version of the spook better than the Men in Black version that they used in um, in that earlier episode where they had those pain. You know, those, that, that little, like, two-sided thing that popped out and they were able to kill people with it? Oh, the, the blue the blue gloves? The two-by-two two hands of blue? Yeah, those yeah, those guys, those guys. <laughs> they all had black outfits on and looked like, uh, you know, they, they looked like Men in Black or maybe... Right. Uh, <laughs> maybe Pulp Fiction uh, hitmen. Anyway, so... Oh, okay, so that was supposed. So there, that's an example. Trash, uh, which was the follow-up one that had um, Saffron, Mrs. Reynolds. The, the second episode where she's in exactly it, where right. So has that's her first one. husband. Exactly, yeah. that's right. So Saffron was a character that was kind of, sort of, uh, Mal's wife, kind of. Which I think that was kind of BS, also. But whatever. Anyway, so she shows up here again to uh, do her shenanigans. And the biggest thing about that one is Mal was butt bare naked in a lot of the episode. An amazing amount of the episode. Yeah, just the beginning and the end. <laughs> just the beginning and the end. <laughs> no, no, but, most, but they kept, at the end, end they kept going. I mean, he, he was actually standing there having a, a, a conversation with Inara outside the ship. And yeah, no, he, he had no shame. No shame. And then just he walks up. Hang. Let, oh, forgotten everyone to see and he walks up into the ship and he's giving people orders and stuff and he's completely naked and it's like i and he absolutely does not care <laughs> it's kind of funny anyway i wonder so, what nathan philly why, why thought bringing that up? just well, was that showing out of order uh well uh well it, it is it's not the same batting order but luckily at least it was broadcast after the uh, character of Saffron was originally. Okay, uh... okay so I'm, I'm getting off tra- track. You're I, right. I You're pulling me back. You're pulling me back. I thought maybe that's what you were going to say was that it was uh, it was shown after, before the episode where they got married. No, but no, no that, was. that wasn't my okay. point. Gotcha. They... No, sorry. You're pulling me no. back. That's good. I no, 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 that's fine. So uh, indeed, Serenity was the uh, the uh, pilot. That was the pilot which was supposed to be first. 
Serenity was actually episode 11. So it was the 11th episode that was broadcast, and it was the pilot that was supposed to be the first episode. So not only did the Fox executives not like it much, they didn't actually broadcast it until the 11th episode. Yeah, that's crazy. That is totally wacky. Yeah, especially since it's an origin. I mean, it's not like it's a flashback origin, you know, because no. uh, I've seen shows like that that do, like, they'll do, like, a not a clip show because it's a new episode, but sure. they'll do, like, a flashback episode, like, oh, I remember the first time we met, and then they go back into the thing. And, like, The Tick did it. Uh, right. Superboy's done it. I mean, it's right. been done before where uh, the the meet, the episode where they all meet is not the first episode, but, mm-hmm. but Serenity, the episode Serenity is... We're all meeting for the first time. There's no book ending part where they're recollecting or remembering the time they all met up. Well, so, Out of Gas is a little bit like that, though. Out of Gas is, but I know I'm talking about the episode Serenity. Sure. Yes. Right. Yeah. Yeah, Ser- Serenity was supposed to introduce you to everything. And they did introduce some of the characters, but they didn't, they didn't go over how everybody was, came on board. Only many characters. Not everybody, though. Yeah, just the new characters. So book, book, and the James. Exactly. Yeah, and then then, uh, Out of Gas introduced Jane. How the the original four. Exactly, right, exactly. Yeah, no, good point. So the order was totally wackadoodle, uh, although they didn't, you know, it could have been even worse. It could have been. Uh, So, but anyway, so the order was quite all over the place. But, you know, it was very much uh, an episodic show. So there were some themes uh, that were carried uh, through the entire episode, but a lot of these were pretty episodic. But then they they did a lot of uh, characters that came back. Um, Like, I think the the Niska character, which Which was... That was the sadistic... Oh yeah, 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 yeah. Crime the, guy that they right. screwed early on. Yeah, that that killed Mal, brought him back. Yeah, just to kill him again. There you go. So we first met him in the first episode, uh, the 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 train job or train right, robbery, right. whatever it was called. Train job, yeah. So that's where we met Niska, and that's where Mal got on Niska's bad side. And you don't want to be on Niska's bad side. So, like you say, he ended up grabbing Mal. And Wash, although Wash got away um, because of ransom being paid. And then he just tortured the heck out of Mal. And a nod to a Tarantino movie, one of his earlier ones, Mal got his ear cut off, which was kind of interesting, unexpected, graphic for TV, don't you think? Uh, Yeah. It reminded me of some movie that had, um, uh, oh man. Uh, Willie Nelson. I remember as a kid, I watched some movie with Willie Nelson in it, yeah. and his ear got chopped off. Ooh. And I've never seen it since, so I don't even know what movie it is. But but it stuck with me as a kid. I've always remember this uh, this western where Willie Nelson gets his ears chopped off. Oh, okay. So when I saw that, when Mel got his ears chopped off, I kept thinking of Willie Nelson. <laughs> <laughs> okay. And I'm probably the only person that was thinking that at that time. So apparently it's been done to death, <laughs> and I didn't know it. Reservoir Dogs. Okay, I couldn't remember it first. Yeah, that was. So that was a good one, um, and they did that in here. So, so they they showed those in order, right? So I mean, because uh, yes, yeah, because so, that that war stories definitely has to come before all the trash and all the other ones 
Well, actually, that's not true because no. Trash is where they get the gun. Okay, yeah. So trash that they can sell. Yeah, so trash had to happen after um, our Mrs. Reynolds because that's where Saffron sure. was introduced. But I thought the money that they used to pay to get uh, Wash out from Nesca was the money that they got from the the trash gun. Is that no. not true? I, well, I think they got that money from when they stole all those drugs. The drugs. From the okay, hospital. Yeah, you're right. No, nope, you're right. You're right. Right, right, right. And those were all Ariel. Ariel yeah, that was the episode the... before. Yeah, you're right. You're right. right. I was getting confused. Yeah, so we never know what happens to the money they got from the, the gun, do we? No. No. Uh, ship parts? I don't know. I mean, they were talking about it being like a million-dollar heist, so... It was, like, going to be the, the biggest heist they ever did. Right. And then nothing ever happened with the money. Hmm. Well, so the good thing is, in Trash, which was broadcast episode 12, which is where they got their hands on a laser gun. So this was, like, one of the first laser guns or whatever. And it was a collector's item or something. It was worth a lot of money. Mm-hmm. And the next broadcast episode was The Message. And at the beginning of that one, Inara and Mal are talking about how they're going to, you know, what's the smart way of selling off the laser gun. And, of course, Inara has one idea and Mal right. has a different idea. That's right. That was the one where they had the buddy that had the organs. Exactly. Replaced. Yuck. You got hollowed out. And, uh, eh. All right. <laughs> so at least that was in the right order. But they don't. But then they don't ever follow up with it. The next two episodes, that never comes up anymore. Because no. the next one is the um, prostitutes on the planet right. with the with the guy wanting his kid, the baby. Yeah. And then the last one is uh, the bounty hunter early. Well, yeah. But broadcast wise, Heart of Gold was the last one. Oh, really? So right, because they showed object in space earlier. Exactly. So Heart of Gold. Which doesn't make sense because that one is exactly. the one where Anara says she's going to leave. Exactly. Uh, Rivers, Rivers thinking about leaving because, uh, you know. So, yeah, Objects in Space definitely comes right before, or not right before, but before she leaves and before the movie. So it definitely has to be the last episode. Because <laughs> it was because broadcast wise. Well, but but now that you don't have to watch it. At exactly. Film, you so can you watch do it, it in the right order. order. You you, right. you watch in the narrative order, right? Because now you can order. You can watch in any order you want. And uh, as soon as you finish Objects in Space, you start reading Unification War issue number one. There you go. <laughs> okay, so what order does Hulu play them in? Because I mean, in you can north, jump around any in way the right you want, but huh? No, in in the correct order. The... Oh, good. Okay, the narrative order. Good. Yeah. Okay. Good. That's the way it should be. That's the way the Blu-ray is. So can I uh, mention a couple of things real quick? Please do. All right. As far as like the credits go, a couple of names jumped out at me. One of them being uh, Tim Minear. Mm-hmm. Yes. Yes. Yeah, so he's a uh, a writer on the show. Yep. Uh, but he later becomes an executive producer and writer for mm-hmm. a lot of the American Horror Story stuff. Oh, I didn't know that. Yeah. And before Firefly, he wrote several episodes of Lois and Clark, the new adventures of Superman. Oh, no! <laughs> I didn't know that. Well, he's got good taste. He's got good taste. Yeah, he also worked on Buffy the Vampire Slayer. Right, and Angel. Yeah, he was, he was way into weed and stuff. So, okay, so he was a, 
he's a co-conspirator going way back. Sure. Well, good for him. But the name that jumped out at me at the most, which yeah. I thought was incredibly random, but yeah. uh, he's on every opening credit, <laughs> is Ben Edlund. E-D-L-U-N-D. Ben okay. Edlund. Okay. And I know him from, he's the creator of yes. The Tick. Oh! <laughs> He created the comic book and has written and produced all the TV shows that have been made on the tick. So, uh, little did he? I know, he, he's also produced quite a few TV shows. Oh, okay. In, so he was a producer the... on Firefly. Uh, yeah, so he uh, is a producer and he wrote a couple episodes, yeah. Okay, cool. Very cool. Yeah, which is funny because it's on Fox. So, I mean, at the, around the same time, both the tick and Firefly was getting screwed over by Fox. Which <laughs> <laughs> is kind of sad. Oh, yeah. Mm. 2002 was not a good year for uh, Ben Edlund and Fox, it seems. Yeah. But anyways, I was surprised to see his name. I didn't know that he had any involvement in Firefly. But I kept seeing his name pop out, and I'm like, is it the same one? Could it be? Could it be? Is it he? <laughs> Okay, so, so we're running kind of long. A little long, yeah. And I think we could probably talk about Firefly all day. but uh, we got to save some for episode two. Exactly. Uh, do you have any other uh, important things to bring up? Well, the first thing is that we're not quite done with Star Trek. What, so, what do you mean? This might have been a little presumptuous because we're not quite done with Star Trek. So uh, what, what are you saying? Well, I'm saying that uh, this being April 1st, <sighs> we weren't maybe 100% truthful throughout the whole thing. Oh, my God. Is this is this another April Fool's episode? But this one's tinged with a little bit of truth because <laughs> of all the uh, other franchises we've done for April Fool's, this is the one that I would like to revisit once we're done with all the Star Trek. Which yeah, which really isn't, isn't that too far terribly, away. Right. Yeah. I really enjoyed diving into this whole universe. Yeah. I hope you guys, the, the, whoever's listening, agree and would be interested in jumping aboard after Star Trek's done to do some right. more uh, Firefly. And that would keep us talking every week so that uh, when you know we get new miniseries and stuff from IDW, we could just continue the uh, Star Trek as they come out. Oh, okay, cool. But... I think we need to have a quote final episode so we can claim victory <laughs> that we actually have done everyone published as of our last episode. Absolutely. I agree. We've we got to claim victory. we got to do it. And we're almost there. All we got is a couple more UKs, a couple more gold key, and done. Okay. That sounds great. Yeah. So the follow-up ones can just be uh, little, uh, little specials that pop up. Like... Uh, like Babylon 5 used to do. They have little movies that pop up every once in a while after the series is over. There you go. There you go. All right. Well, hopefully uh, everybody enjoyed it. If you're listening and you don't think that uh, we should do Firefly and have another suggestion, let us know. Um, yeah. I was also tossing around Lost in Space, but I was never mm. a big big fan of that show. Uh, yeah. Battlestar Galactica was also tossed around oh. a bit. Uh, I do enjoy that. that. And that has two generations of... Uh, stories that we could delve into and a, a possible third on the way exactly so, it, yeah uh, that, that one's also a contender 
yeah, and there's uh, not a ton of fireflies, so we could finish it pretty quick and then move on to something else too. Right. Uh, Unless you're tired of talking to me, Ken, and then we'll just shake hands and part ways. Uh, <laughs> no, Donovan. No, not at all. All right, great. <laughs> all right. Well, thank you everybody for listening, and uh, we'll be back next week with some Star Trek. Thanks, everybody, for joining us for our April Fool's annual special. Later. Later. Thank you for listening to Star Trek Comic Book Review. All Star Trek stories and characters are copyrighted CBS Studios Incorporated. All music, stories, and characters discussed are for entertainment purposes only. You can email us at startcomicbookreview at gmail.com. Visit us at our website www.stcomicbookreview.com Subscribe to us via iTunes or friend us on Facebook at first name ST Comic, second name Book Review. See you next time on Star Trek Comic Book Review. Let's get the hell out of here.